0: P A C K A G I N G dot com. Welcome to sustainable packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is Mr. Mike Newman, CEO of Returnity. How are you, Mike?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being on. I'm a big fan of your company and what you do. I'm excited to hear about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into sustainable packaging?
1: Yes. I, I you know, I didn't, didn't know I was going to be getting into sustainable packaging, as I suspect is true for many who are in yeah. the field. I started more on the advocacy side. I actually spent five years in DC working predominantly for the Sierra Club, the big environmental grassroots mm-hmm. organization. And after five years, I kind of seeing us getting our butts kicked by big corporations on Capitol Hill. I decided to kind of play from the other side I went and got an MBA and I've been working on sustainability from the sort of for-profit side of the equation since then. Most significantly, I spent eight years at a company that was called Recellular, which was servicing the wireless industry to facilitate the reuse and recycling of used cell phones. And so running these collection programs, donation programs, recycling programs for for everyone from AT&T to Best Buy, Walmart. So that was eight years where I really learned kind of a lot about logistics, consumer behavior, used products, consumer behavior around used products. and, And that turned out to be like a really fertile training ground for packaging where a lot of the same kind of dynamics hold true.
0: And that is such a key point to discuss is the government And the reason why it's such a challenge to convince the government that we need to be more sustainable is they're being convinced by the other side (laughs) that doesn't think we need to be more sustainable with packaging. And you're exactly right. This is the push and the pull of, of what we're talking about here. But I think more and more they're, they're getting on our side here and seeing that it's necessary and important and valuable for companies and large corporations in particular to be more sustainable with packaging. Would would you agree that it's, it's going our way?
1: Well, yeah, there's definitely no shortage of attention sometimes <laughs> for the better, sometimes maybe a little bit ill-advised, but <laughs> I think that it's definitely part of the conversation and, and it's, you know, regulators, corporate leaders, everybody, you know, everybody is human and also consumers. They're, also drowning in cardboard <laughs> and, and packaging, right. you know, it's not like uh, this is not, this is particularly activist only visibility. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's for sure. It, it, packaging is having its moment. What we do at that moment is the big question. But you know, it's I'd rather be in the conversation than not.
0: Very true. One of my first viral videos on TikTok was, "Hey, if if Amazon would take your old boxes back, would you put them on your front porch?" And almost a million views later, people were resounding, "Yes, please take them back, Amazon. We'll give them to you for free." <laughs> but we just don't want them in our in our recycle bins. They're taking up too much space. So yeah, well said. Very good. Very important point. So let's talk about your company, Returnity. Can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, we, you know, we we started out actually as a reusable shopping bag business over seven eight years ago, mostly making kind of giveaway bags for corporations to use at shows and things like that. Happened to have as a customer ThredUp when before up was really up And James Reinhardt, the founder and co-founder and CEO, asked us if we could make him a reasonable shipping bag. So mm-hmm. kind of went in the lab, figured out a bag. He liked it. He was the first investor. And that investor group spun it out about five years ago to focus on shipping and delivery packaging exclusively. That's when I came in as CEO. And so we've kind of been at it as a sole focus for the last five years. You know, I think the thing we learned through this journey is that particularly in the secondary packaging world, but but really sort of across the board, it's, it's less a product challenge than it is a systems challenge. Yeah. We're really proud of our innovations in reusable packaging and how we design and produce them. But none of that matters unless they're actually reused. <laughs> It doesn't, so, so our evolution has been to keep innovating on the packaging development side, but more and more of our time over that five years has gone towards helping clients understand the when, where, how for circularity, how to keep them in circulation at a very high level, why that, you know, what it takes for that to occur and what the economics are around it. And, you know, and ultimately we just think sustainability can't be subsidized or else it won't scale. So, right. It's been all right. We've got really good packaging. We can design now. Let's help clients understand where it makes unit economic sense mm-hmm. and deploy it in that way as a way to build a successful company and and then also, of course, have impact, which is which is you know very important to us.
0: Great points. And how how many uses does your product need? Have you done the the life cycle analysis to where it it is cost neutral or, or cost advantage?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we ultimately got frustrated a year or two ago because we kept seeing all these <laughs> yes. all these claims by in the reuse community that would say, well, our packaging can be used for x uses. And fill in the blank. I've seen 20, I've seen 50, I've seen 1000. There's, mm-hmm. there's a reuse company out there claiming their packaging can be used 1000 times and I thought, well, in what world Like what, what does that mean from a return rate? Like what world, what is you, what do you actually have to see in participation to then get that number of cycles? Assuming the thing actually is durable enough to last that long. Right. And, and the math is challenging. I mean, you know, like if you get a 75% return rate, which seems great. Yeah. um, That's a lot. Yeah. You're only getting four use cycles though, because every (laughs) time you send it out, a quarter of them are lost and the math is the math. So to get to... You know, I think the lifecycle assessments have said 7, 10, you're definitely crossing a threshold in shipping and delivery packaging. We really target 20 uses, 20 use cycles is sort of our baseline so that there's really no question that it's going to be the right choice environmentally. And that's a 95% or better return rate. So, and yeah, and so like... You really have to keep them in circulation at a very high level in this in this setting. So that's where the sustainability numbers really fall. And then from an economic standpoint, at the end of the day, it's all about return logistics cost. So mm-hmm. there's just no economic competitiveness if you're paying to ship an empty package back empty, you know, one at a time, even if it collapses flat and really small and everything. Yeah. You know, the, the rule of thumb that we always tell clients is whatever you're paying for single-use packaging, the baseline target should be, can I get my reusables back and ready to use again for the equivalent expense? So if I'm paying a buck for cardboard, I need to be able to get it back for a dollar or less and ready to use again. Hmm. There's other economic savings and implications for sure. And, and obviously, goodwill and sustainability targets and things like that play a role. But you know, CFOs don't want to subsidize this stuff, and there's not really margin in, the, in companies to pay for it. So that's kind of the baseline is I got to get it back basically for what I'm paying for the single use to be to be economically competitive.
0: Very interesting. And and let's go back a little bit. So what your your company provides is a reusable, basically like a mailer bag, kind of a pouch system. Is that correct?
1: Well, we've kind of done everything at this point. You know, I'd say our, oh. our highest volume shipping now is actually in the reusable boxes that we. Oh, really? Done. Yeah. So like like a plastic corrugated. Yeah, that like they're made out of plastic corrugate and fabric that, you know, happy returns is a that PayPal bot is our biggest user of that we have a bunch of other companies now for that kind of store warehouse logistics leg. Turns out to be a really natural fit for, for reuse. You know, com- you know, a lot of companies are used to seeing the sort of rigid plastic totes that they'll use yeah. that they palletize. We sort of extended that model into, into the corrugate and direct shipping category now but we've done everything from wine to apparel to you know to a lot of a lot of apparel you know all the rental companies yep. like the runway and castle and others mm-hmm. who we, we've developed their shipping bags for so yeah it sort of runs the gamut on product types
0: i've heard amazing things about happy returns i want to talk to, to you about that for a little bit if you don't mind so can, can you explain to our listeners and viewers how does happy returns work because I think it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know they they've basically enabled consumers to have the in-store return experience uh, as far as the convenience of it, not having to package it, not have to print labels, not have to to stay in li- you know lines at the UPS store or whatever and the speed of getting their their credit back to their credit card. When <laughs> Right. Good um, buys. point. Yes. Well, you know, and like the, with That's the a amount big of the deal buy online now, it is a big deal. And and so you can just go to one of. I mean, they have thousands of of locations around the U.S. now. Ulta beauty stores, FedEx locations, and World Cost Plus, et cetera. And you just basically hand the products to the at the cashier, and they scan a code on your phone, and you're done. Um, then they throw it in boxes that we make for happy returns that are behind the counter. And that's all shipped to their distribution centers where it's sorted and returned to the retailer itself. And it makes it cheaper for the retailers too. So it's easier for the consumer. It's lower cost. It's less impact because things are done in bulk. And uh, and it's sort of a win-win-win all around that. And they're growing like crazy. I mean, you know, because it just makes sense.
0: I absolutely love it. And, And it essentially, you're eliminating packaging from the consumer perspective on a return shipment no longer are we required to keep all of our packaging for a week or two <laughs> to to just just in case I want to return that one thing that I bought from that one site you know we don't have to keep our boxes or our pouches or uh, or buy new ones or find new ones and you know keep a roll of tape on hand you don't have to do that anymore my wife went to a FedEx the other day to use happy returns and she thought this is amazing and even the FedEx person said wow, we love happy returns. What a great, what a great concept. It's so easy for us. We don't have to pack anything up. We just put it into the re- eternity box and we're done.
1: Yeah. I don't know why it's so easy. hasn't become their tagline. Cause I just feel like anytime <laughs> I talk to anybody and like you said, I mean, it's not just consumers who are saying that it's, it's everybody in that, in that process who, who agree. And it's also, I think, indicative of how things are evolving from a in e-commerce and just commerce infrastructure right so like yes. 5 years ago the idea of i'm going to drive to a place and go to a, that's not the store i bought it from and like like that would have felt like you would land it on mars <laughs> now we're just like oh yeah of course you know like there's lockers there's ship to store there's like we've become so accustomed that it enables these new approaches and consumers are just comfortable with it they'll just they'll, they're, they're happy to do it because it's it's proven to be easier for them
0: a quick break for our sponsor this month now is the time to go beyond recycling smart pioneers certified bio-based water-soluble packaging technologies that empower consumers and businesses to effortlessly reduce plastic waste. Our non-toxic materials quickly and completely disperse when combined with water and agitation, thus making them easily recyclable, biodegradable, and even zero waste. If zero waste packaging interests you, please contact us today at info at smartsolve.com. Very important point of topic, I think, is that the society has changed. Customers are willing to accept that if they hand something to someone at a store, <laughs> at a FedEx or a, you know another location, that it will actually get returned and the, they're going to get their money back immediately, which is pretty awesome. Let's talk about how, how your company helps with the return process. Do you inside the pouch that gets shipped provide some kind of a, a return label? Does it go back to you or does it go back to the retailer? How does that work?
1: Yeah, you know, we really don't get in the middle okay. because we don't think we add value there. And, you know, and I think that that's still fairly unique in the reusable packaging world. I think most of the companies who who've sprung up to try and service this have it be a packaging goes to the retailer, retailer packs goods, but even, you know, primary or secondary products get to the consumer. Consumer uses them. They return it to the packaging company for cleaning and repositioning. And then the packaging company. And so there's this sort of three legs, yeah. but we feel like that adds time. It adds cost and it's not really value add. And so what we do is we design it. So we don't need to be in the middle and we, you know, our clients I think just benefit from that. And so it's less control for us, but the point is that, like we were talking about earlier, if it doesn't scale from an economics and operations standpoint, because it's too expensive or complicated, how am I winning as a provider? So we just think simple is better. You know, We're replacing I say with with genuine affection about poly bags and cardboard is that they're dumb, cheap, and easy. Like that's why they've done so well. They're dumb, right. they're cheap, and they're easy. And like love that. we feel like by being as dumb and cheap and easy as possible <laughs> in reuse, we open up more opportunities rather than this like closed in integrated data and tracking. And third. it's too hard for mo- too many people, we think.
0: Yeah, well said. Dumb, cheap, and easy makes that that could be your tagline, right? I love that. I think it's important to realize that consumers don't demand, but really appreciate that it's easy and simple and obvious. I would say, I read a poll or I posted about this morning on LinkedIn about how over, more than sixty percent of consumers will buy an item. If it based on the fact that it's packaged sustainably, meaning they prefer sustainable packaging, so they will reach out, they will, they will search out sustainably packaged items, which I think is a real selling point for your customers.
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's certainly something they have to pay very close attention to, and, and they're very well aware. I mean, you know, we, we. Uh, the list of retailers who have made these 2025 pledges about their packaging is pretty remarkable. It's sort of everybody, you know, every brand and retailer you can think of at this point. Uh, yeah. I think the gap between the pledge and the execution is still quite wide. But you know, like we touched on earlier, you know, if you got boxes piling up on your doorstep and, and overwhelming your recycling bin, that's not that's not just a true believer awareness that's a general consumer awareness and and it feels wasteful and that mm-hmm. is that's an important dynamic to understand now i think the gap between the feeling that consumers are expressing and the execution as it relates to reuse is still quite wide and something yes. that i think that i think has been hard for For companies to navigate but the trend lines and the dynamic there is is significant no doubt
0: absolutely and it seems that people like you said in the towards the beginning of this show was that people are getting used to it they're they're getting they're ready to adapt to this new concept and you know used to be crazy to bring your your reusable grocery bags to the grocery store now it's uh, it's crazy not to because it costs you Fifty cents every time, you know. So people are. It's more commonplace. It's more accepted. It's more the norm. And I think as we continue down this path, your companies like yours will be more and more successful.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that. Well, I'm hopeful that that's true. I, I do. <laughs> I do think that It's worth sort of. Calling out, though, that there is this still this big gap. I mean, you know, 75%, as I spoke to earlier, for a reuse rate feel, you know, in what other context could you say we have 75% of consumers taking a pro-environmental action Uh voluntarily or, you know, maybe with some incentive tied to it. You know, that's a remarkable accomplishment except in reuse it's frankly not even close like you have to <laughs>
0: it's a fail yeah it's
1: a fail because yeah. these are more expensive they're more environmentally you know I say reusables are worse for the planet until they're not right I mean like that's the mentality that we have to have like you have to use them enough or else you are not creating a net a net gain from an impact standpoint so I think that the challenge here is like how do you leverage that in that motivation and awareness? in a way that is true to the problem that we're addressing today. So we want to realize that that potential, but we need to do it in a way that's honest and open. And 75% is not honest and open. I mean, that is not success today. So the question then becomes, well, do we keep doing it in that way and anticipate hope that over the coming months or years, the the rates are going to go up and up and up, and we've sort of crossed some, some threshold? Or do we not? And how do we how do we be honest about that? Because you right. know, our view as a company has been that the reuse industry, if I if we're gonna give it that moniker, has kind of tried to like hush that part up and yeah. not really like shine a light on the fact that you know today there are very few programs where they're getting that ninety plus percent circulation rate that unquestionably puts it in the positive for the planet category. Which is different than like adding in more recycled content or making it more readily recyclable. Those are wins that happens you know, like that happened sort of from the start, because right. you know, anything that changes in that sense is a win. But in reuse, like to justify, you really have to reuse it. And that's that gap is where we're the most vocal, because we think that that's just necessary to be able to scale with credibility.
0: Well, thank you for your honesty. And thank you for shining that light on that part of the industry, because it is important and critical to the cause. Are you finding that some of your customers are able to leverage the reusable packaging to create more loyal
1: end users? I think the short answer is somewhat. So <laughs> I think it's getting there. You know, I think, like, I think the way that it has been most useful is, is when retailers and brands are building native programs around the packaging. I think where it's been the least successful is when they sort of added as an opt-in at checkout kind of fork in the road approach. Mm. Uh, And so, and the reason for that, I think ultimately is that trying to change consumer behavior, that's extremely difficult, right? And and I think an opt-in at checkout approach ultimately sort of plays out as a a bit of a like a virtue signaling kind Mm. of on behalf of the consumer, it's not very deep and it's not very wide. It's sort of like, oh, I can pay a couple bucks extra maybe. Or sure, I'll take in the reusable. That seems like it makes me an environmental hero today. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily result in enough of the, as we were talking about earlier, the follow-on behavior, which is what you have to have. Whereas if you're building native solutions around circularity and reuse, where you're really attracting consumers who are seeking out that right. kind of product or service and being really diligent about that, I think that's where where retailers are doing best with with reefs.
0: Well said. And and it's important to understand that if the company gives the consumer that choice and the consumer says no, then then the company's just like, oh well, we tried, you know. And whereas I feel like either you you're in it or you're not. And and I think they should either commit to it or say, no, that's not what we're going to do. Have you seen have you had any customers that are providing some kind of an incentive to to return the, the packaging, maybe in a bulk setting, like, hey, bring back five of these and we'll give you, you know, you know, three bucks off your next purchase. Is that, is that possible?
1: It it is, you know, I think that there's there's a variety of of programs that are trying that. I I don't think it's been that successful, frankly, in the shipping space, because I think it helps, but it only helps a bit. It's sort of like the way I, I sort of describe it is that retailers in generally have been most interested in switching to reasonables for standard e-commerce which is understandable yeah. because it's like where they spend the most on packaging it's the most visible part of their supply chain it's where they're getting beat up the most re- regulators <laughs> tend to be the most focused on it like it makes yeah. sense but what we tell them is like well, all right well now you're trying to solve your hardest problem first rather than your easiest and you know the easiest are the sort of applications where you already have some level of circularity or high level of engagement mm-hmm. and the problem is then when they try and solve the, mo- the least circular is that they're finding yeah they don't get it back often enough they do incentives and it and it moves the the needle a bit but not enough to get it to that return rate and then then they abandon it and so it sort of sets the the field back across the board so I think incentives need to be the icing not the cake and the cake better be pretty darn good is our is our <laughs> point. like you better have a pretty good return like you should be close or already at that level of circular engagement. And then you can tweak with like incentives and education and infrastructure, all the things that we're used to talking about in this space to just like optimize. But generally, those things aren't going to be enough to take a low return rate program and somehow magically get it to be viable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really important points. And thank you so much, Mike. This has been awesome. Do you have any advice for people that are considering reuse? Is there a, is there a atypical customer that you'd like to reach out to from this show?
1: Well, I think that, yeah, I think that the, the things that are most important are when you have employee driven logistics, those are great applications for reuse because employees can be trained and held accountable in ways that consumers <laughs> are understandably not as aligned to. I think high frequency, high engagement, you know, that is where we're all seeing the most success. And so somebody going to a website and buying a pair of jeans once a year is a very difficult customer to convert yeah. and a very difficult logistics system to convert to reuse. But if you have high engagement, and you have high frequency, now you're getting people aligned and consistently engaged on a certain behavior. That to me is where we should be putting our energy. It's certainly where we are as a company, you know, whether it's grocery or, apparel, rental, or, you know, store to distribution logistics. Like that's where our emphasis has been. And that's, you know, been really successful for us. And I think that's what I would challenge brands and retailers. who are thinking about this challenge is like, where do you have the most control and circularity already build from that? Even if it's not where your CFO or, I mean, where your head (laughs) of sustainability or CEO had said, we want to start. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well said. And I'm excited to see this trend move forward. Thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate that.
1: Thank you so much for
0: having me. Yeah. Thank you, Landsberg Aurora, for sponsoring this podcast. If you're listening, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And we appreciate it so much. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by SpecRite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging. And there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright. Helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S P E C R I G H T.com backslash book.